Good evening, everyone. Please sit comfortably. I'd like to address a theme tonight briefly that I touched on during our last session, which is about aloneness. Um, a couple of um, comments about it from a Zen perspective. There's one of the koans in our, one of our koan um, curriculum uh, where a monk asks a teacher, what is a matter of special wonder? And the teacher replies, sitting alone at Dayu Peak. Mm-hmm. And the metaphor of it is, you know, sitting alone at the top of a mountain. You know, the mountain itself is like a high, lofty place. Um, and just sitting alone there, enjoying the solitude, is a matter of special wonder. My, um, one of my uh, Zen teachers Robert Aiken um, frequently used to say, I don't know whether it was his own saying or he repeating it from another teacher, but he used to say frequently, we're born alone, we die alone, and we realise our true nature alone. And so aloneness in the world, um, like death, is a kind of fact. And like death, we can, we can relate to it with fear and avoid it and divert ourselves from ever thinking about it or reflecting that, that we're all going to die one day. And we do the same, well, we can do the same with loneliness, with being alone. And it's interesting just to draw out all the, the different ways that we avoid being alone. And my sense is in, in our in our busy culture with social media and things like that and the accessibility to so much stuff is that it's becoming a very convenient way of avoiding being alone. Um, I've been having um, some interesting conversations with a number of people um, lately about this theme and um, a lot of people seem to find it a a meaningful conversation so that's why I just wanted to to share it more with everyone uh, one of the ways people avoid the fact that we're alone in the world um, is to only really exist in the eyes of other people You're just like a reflection of other people's gaze um, which then it's not a very um, not a very settled way to be in the world because one's always constantly looking out, you know, checking out whether other people validate me or like me or dislike me or whatever. <clears throat> and I was just reflecting um, in the the first sitting when I some of the words were tumbling through my mind about what to talk about. It never really occurred to me before, but when when you're in the presence of someone who's been sitting for a long time, like when I think of some of my teachers, um, what, now that I reflect on it, what, what you, you find from is they've got a very strong gaze. Or anyone who meditates for long enough starts to develop a strong gaze. You may not be that conscious of it, but it naturally occurs, I think. And my sense of what is occurring there is that you're getting unhooked from searching out there for validation, particularly from other people, like your eyes flittering around, you know, trying to read what's there. And instead your affirmation of your, of your existence is coming from the inside. 
Right? And like the Buddha said, you know, before he died, one of the most important things he said is to be a light unto yourself. Don't just rely on the authority of other people's words or sutras or whatever. Find, find this uh, groundedness that's inside of you, that is your experience, your experience, no one else's, that, that sense of embodied consciousness. And from that you, you gaze out onto the world with a strong, resolute, steady gaze because you're just seeing what is there in terms of life is what it is, in terms of what's, what's it going to do to me or what are people going to think of me, etc. So it's very different. They say of the Buddha, um, if you read stories about the Buddha, that one of the things, one of the characteristics about him as a person was he had this very strong gaze. <laughs> so it's something that just naturally matures with meditation practice. Um, the other way that people um, divert themselves from being alone is to try to fuse what's called fusing in psychology, to fuse themselves into relationships with other people. So you and I are one, do you know, or me and my lover are one, or me and my friends are one. And, and there's a kind of a really um, a, a merging of identity into one identity. And if I, if I can do that, if I can merge my identity into the identity of others and be one, then I won't feel lonely or alone anymore. And a word we use in psychology which is similar to being comfortable with the experience of being alone, is called individuation or differentiation. It's not, not egocentric. It's just that ability to be um, centred in your own experience and, and to be comfortable in the fact that you're alone in the world rather than threatened by it. So many people seem to be um, threatened by the fact that they're alone in the world and they can never be alone. It's the conversations I've been having with a number of people about how when they're in relationship, like a um, uh, you know, romantic love relationship, is that um, they've, they've this clinging to be with their partner all the time. You know, and they just can't tolerate being alone. And if they are alone, they do crazy things like playing computer games all the time, you know, or texting all the time, you know, or getting drunk or taking drugs. You know, it's like this inability just to be quiet and alone in one's presence seems to be a quality which is disappearing from our culture and it's like a vitamin that we need, really. Um, and like death, when, when, you, be, when you actually uh, face into aloneness, um, and, and you abide in it and you settle into it, it's actually a wonderful place to be. Uh-huh. Instead of calling it loneliness, we call it solitude. You know, it's a wonderful place to be. And I can't think... I mean, there's many ways in which you could cultivate that experience of just enjoying being alone, but um, I think it's hard to beat a way of developing that than doing something. Right. You, you, you just reflect on the actual act of Sarsin. Now, you might be doing it in a room with a lot of people, right? but the actual act is just, just being embodied in your own experience and just being present 
um, without without getting caught up in social interaction or without getting caught up in mindless thinking. It's just turning up and being present to what is. And if you do that over and over again, you become really comfortable in your own being. You know, you really become grounded there. Um, if you don't have a way of doing that, then it's like you're always flittering. Your consciousness is always flittering around out there for the next thing that's going to fill up the void. Mm-hmm. But I can't think of a, a better way of actually enjoying your aloneness in the world than doing what we do. People may also do it by, um, you know, so many people um, in religious religious traditions, like like the Buddha, for example, leaves his family and goes and be a monk, not entirely alone, but alone a lot of the time in a community of monks in the forest for six years or whatever. Um, or the desert fathers in Christianity, the people going out into the wild, or in China, you know, just going out there and, and experiencing it alone. And I'm sure at first they probably went through a withdrawal period where they felt quite lonely and they missed people. And then after a while, something actually turns around once they they go through those withdrawal symptoms and they can actually experience the, the intimacy of being alone in the world and being connected to the world at the same time. Words get in the way here, but... When you become comfortable in your own aloneness, you don't become isolated. That, that's what loneliness is. Loneliness is being on your own, but longing for something else that's going to fill up the void within you. But, but solitude, you know, joyful solitude, is that sense of um, being alone in the world, embracing being alone in the world, and that includes everything. Right? In a sense, you're alone, but you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I said, I, I think the act of sazen, just turning up to be still and quiet and focused and not, not, inter- not, not deliberately entertaining a lot of thinking or trying to get responses back from other people, um, you find that you can calmly settle into that alone experience and it makes so much difference to the way that we live our life. Mm-hmm. Um, people coming along and sitting might, you know, you've already experienced this to some degree and maybe these things don't happen as extremely in your life as they do to other people. But um, uh, some people really need to get, to really grow, really need to be socialising less, being on social media less, not drinking, drugging as much, and learning just to walk along a beach on their own, you know, and to actually get used to that experience. And like anything, if we, if we do have um, an intense fear of something, and in this case a, a fear of being alone, then it can be sensible to gradually make your way into that territory you know so that you if you've never been alone in your life go for a half a day walk along a beach by yourself or through the bush you know and just be within your own being within your own presence and then then maybe develop that more into a whole day you know maybe two days the more you can do it um the more comfortable you'll be within your own skin and your relationships with people with will change 
because you don't have to fill in the hole. Mm -hmm. That place is empty yet it's, it's full inside when you can actually enjoy your own aloneness in the world. So it's a very important um, topic and it's a very important um, uh, effect um, that comes out of, of doing Zazen practice is to actually actually embrace that experience that's a just a fact of being alive as a human being.